You're currently listening to the free version of Let Me Talk. If you want longer, ad-free episodes, even earlier, head to lmtpod.com to find out how you subscribe. Let me talk! Let me talk! Let me talk! One, two, three, four! A comfortable 4-0 win in an entertaining game against Fluminense sees City lift the Club World Cup. That's a fourth Club World Cup for Guardiola, a first for City and now a fifth title of 2023. Added to the Premier League, FA Cup, Champions League and Super Cup. Not a bad weekend before Christmas, all told. Probably fair to call 2023 City's year in the end. This is Let Me Talk. I'm David Mooney and with me is the Athletic City correspondent Sam Lee. Hello. All right. Yeah, not bad, thanks. Not bad. It's been, uh, it's been quite, yeah, quite a nice night. Yeah, um, like the the heavy lifting's been done on these on these trophies in June, hasn't it? Yeah, um, you know, playing <laughs> Sevilla and Fluminense, it's like okay, it's it's you know it's kind of difficult, but you'd have to really be messing up to to, to not win. But again, yeah. in the recent but in the recent context of City, really have been messing up. Um, it was quite nice that they didn't. Yeah, I mean, you say that as well though. Like um, they they should really have wound it up against Arsenal as well in the Community Shield, and then. You know, last yeah, minute yeah, deflection, yeah. all that sort of stuff. So things can go yeah. wrong. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, God, little did we know at the time that that was going to keep happening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, if it, again, if it wasn't for that, it would have been six, six in the year. But like we said the other night, like five is mad. I almost feel like that's gone under the radar. It's 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 because. Well, I don't know it's because like, of like I, I, the reputation of the Club World Cup, like yeah. not just like as far as City are concerned, but like just generally British people's attitude towards it. It's almost like it's like not many people would have watched that game, would have gone out of their way to watch that game, would would care about that game, regardless. You know, if it was Liverpool, Chelsea, whoever, who have obviously been in it recent years. So then it's like people got a big shrug the shoulders to it. So then it's almost like the the fact that that's the fifth trophy has gone under the radar because. Obviously, the main ones were the first three, and that was six months ago. Yeah, let me let me give some sort of illustration on uh, kind of like where it falls in the news agenda for um, for the UK for any overseas listeners. So uh, today, I was working on the Drive program on Five Live, and uh, Five Live is the UK's national news and sports station from the BBC. So, like this, in theory, you would think would be a big deal, and uh, we just didn't have any updates from the game whatsoever. So, the Drive program is uh, four till seven. Obviously, kickoff in the UK was at six. City scored almost instantly, um, and it was two 0 after what half an hour or so, a little bit less. Um, I was struggling to to kind of keep tabs on the game and work at the same time, um, but we just didn't have any updates into the into the program because the, like the general audience doesn't really care that much about it. Um, and that's not because it was City. If it was any other, like Sam says, if it's any other English team in there, we wouldn't have done it either. Um, but if you've got any other kind of um, live sport going on, like we break away from programs all the time to get you know the winner in a horse race, the you know the um, in in some of the bigger in some of the bigger cups, you've got uh, we take cricket every um, twenty minutes or so when there's uh, when there's cricket on. If there was a Premier League game happening in our time like that, it would absolutely get updates all the way through. And it's just it's just one of those things where, like you say, the reputation um, just it just isn't that high. I also wonder in terms of um, like the value of it as well. Um, and I I don't know if I've talked you out of writing that piece in the end. Uh, and I realise that we are uh, talking to the uh, preaching to the choir here. Um, but like the reputation of City outside of outside of City fans, people people don't think that what City have achieved is is that hard in many respects. Given 
they, it always comes back to the money and you say well like you look at what City have achieved like it's not just the money that's done that no I did I didn't write it in the same way as I was going to write it I was going to but even the way I mentioned it to you it wasn't going to be a full on look even if City are found guilty it would still be an achievement that wouldn't mm. have been the headline because I wouldn't have written it that way but it would have been a point in it but it, in the end I wrote it a different way but I still put it in and I mean yeah I don't, I don't know how 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 many legs that's going to grow over the next few days. Probably not many, to be fair. Um, but it's one of those things that I'm only going to put it in either because I'm not paying attention and I made a mistake, or because I fully believe it. And I can't guarantee it's always going to be not making a mistake. But in this case, like I could sit here and talk about it for an hour. Like, yeah, you can have whatever advantages you can. Like, whether it's just a financial advantage or whether it's like an unfair financial advantage, it doesn't. It just doesn't get you, let alone guarantee you um, what city you've got. So yeah, anyway, just but yeah, just to go back to the the, the five trophies, I think uh, I think it's like more of a thing in Europe. You know, for when Barcelona did it, the six yeah. in a year, five in a year, and I think it's one of those things that we've kind of inherited because other top teams in Europe have done. But again, that just goes to show you that English teams haven't done that, and we kind of inherit it from Europe in the sense that well, these are. The best teams, you know, Guardiola's Barca, the Barca with Messi, Neymar and Suarez, um, Bayern a few years ago, Real Madrid in 2017. There was, unfortunately, uh, Mourinho's insert did it. Obviously, he'd left after that, like um, Heinkers did for Bayern, and then somebody else carried on and won the last couple. And then there was the Ajax 1995 team, two have won five in a row. And then is it just Barca and Bayern that have done six? Mm. Like... This is not, it's not something that's that's done easily. Um, but yeah, again, it's like you almost need to put that all into context. You need to say, look how much this is. Because when, you know, the last two are Super Cups that people in Britain don't really care about. Like if you like if you even had an in the Community Shield, you know, we were saying that, you know, it was nearly six. But for some people, they'd be like, well, it was only the Community Shield anyway. Like we always have this thing about, you know, Mourinho was counting the Community Shield when he was at United. City called it the... The quadruple, didn't they? The domestic quadruple, because obviously there was the the Premier League, the FA Cup, and the League Cup, which we all recognise. But then, even like City fans thought they're taking the piss a bit out of the Community <laughs> Shield because nobody really cares. So it's just that kind of context. So you gotta you gotta kind of shout about it and say, look, this is this is not normal. But then again, you do have that extra layer of like either we've said this about the Guardiola curse: the more he wins, the easier he makes it look. But I think you've also got the City curse now, which is the more you win the more people think you cheated. So you can't really win either way. But that's just kind of how it is. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, there was a... I, I don't know if you if you had the commentary on of the game. Um, and I know yeah, yeah. there was... There's, um, I, I got home from work midway through the second half. I got the TV on and the very first thing I heard Robbie Savage talk about was um, whether, you know, we saw Arsene Wenger go a season unbeaten with Arsenal. We saw, uh, you know, Ferguson achieve what he achieved at United. And um, like, what has Guardiola done that's out of the ordinary? And I was just like, I like, I, I, I almost just I didn't dropped that my bit. things. Otherwise, I'd have been I, on the floor. Yeah, I just like, I almost dropped everything as I go, as I like stepped through the door, because it was like, it's it's this idea that um, again, Guardiola is able to achieve everything he's achieved because he's been at Barcelona, he's been at Bayern Munich, he's been at City, and they've had the best resources all the time. And it's and it, it all comes back round to that point: is why do you think he's at these clubs? Like, like, why, like, why would he not be at these clubs? Because you look at what he can achieve when he's got the talent at his disposal. Hmm. 
Yeah, um, this is preaching to the choir territory, isn't it? Like, yeah. I know we could probably do with filling a bit of time, but I, mean, I, I haven't, I haven't got the energy to do it again. You know, like, <laughs> the thing is, with with Savage, he is always talking about how good City are, and I don't just know if that's a kind of we're the British broadcaster. We need to say this. So you know, I so think there's a lot of people to... who would feel that his uh, his demeanour and commentary is uh, not quite not exactly uh, we're pro the English side in this competition. No, but like everything else he was saying tonight did, like, like they talked about how good they are, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it, it did sound like for that comment, what's he done? This extraordinary would like would have sounded, as far as I could tell, like out of step with the rest of the stuff he was saying. But anyway, we probably spent a bit too much time. Discussing um, Robbie Savage, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not the live show, but um, <laughs> but the yeah, that was a cut out. Um, I don't know. I, I was going to reference it, but I didn't know if it stayed in. And then here we are. We've referenced no, it, it anyway. It, it so. got cut out. But look, if you want to come to the next live show, then you know, move to England. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, the the Barcelona one is the the maddest one because it's like, oh yeah, well, we had these great players. It's like, do you know what these great players were doing the year before when he wasn't manager? They were struggling big time. That's why they. That's why they sacked Frank Reichardt. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I think the example that they always used at Barca to kind of highlight the turnaround was, I think, in like the April May time when Reichardt was manager, they lost like four one or four two to Real Madrid, and everyone was like, "This Barca team," and he's kind of ripping up and starting again. You know, like that Southampton game City had, yeah, and like in, the, in the April twenty sixteen. It was that kind of vibe. And then, you know, a year later, Guardiola was in charge and they beat Real Madrid in that 6-1. Um, or 6-3, was it? But whatever whatever the actual score was, like the turnaround in that 12-month period it was huge. Was massive. But I mean, again, it's harder to make the case with Bayern, isn't it? Because they were winning the league every year before. They've won it every year since. But just in terms of like the people around German football, the people at Bayern, who, you know, not everyone at Bayern was particularly like complimentary of him during his time there. You, you couldn't really go five minutes without Beckenbauer or some other like somebody with a title who used to play for Bayern or Germany or both saying, you know, it wouldn't work and it wasn't that German style or whatever. But basically everybody in, in Germany admits that that was the best German team they've ever seen. So, okay, they were winning still, which again is harder to argue because if they were winning, they're winning. But the level at which they were doing it was ridiculous. Um, although I saw the other day, um, Bayer Leverkusen have become the first team to not lose in any of the first 23 games or something like first team in ever in German history fucking hell like I can't imagine Pep's Bayern lost too many like, that's some achievement that the, um, the way what I've learned from Guardiola though with the way he, he manages City and has done over the last few years is that they're, they're always so good at the end of the season but they always yeah, chuck yeah, in a stupid result really early on so, yeah but yeah. also the, the thing they kind of had at Bayern was they'd win the league so early they couldn't really focus on the Champions League so obviously they, they must have lost a game in October and then but like won all the rest of them or whatever but anyway like you can still make the point even though it's harder at Bayern Munich that what he was doing was still like exceptional and again even I've said this before but when he left like a lot so a lot of the players were like oh thank god he's gone you know it was a bit it was a bit tough you know a bit intense Ancelotti's coming in he's a bit he's a bit calmer that's great and then he got sacked he won the league again fine Difficult, like I say. But then, like, after a few months of the second season, they got rid of him. And, like, some of the players were, like, they were doing their own um, intense training sessions because they kind of missed it a bit. So it's like, the guy's unreal. And then, obviously, at City, like I say about this kind of... I put in the article, I was like, look, it would be the smallest, most kind of obtuse point to make. You know, if 
if in the world where City are found guilty, that's not going to be my first argument. You know what I mean? Oh, by the way, it's really, you know, there's everything else. But you'd have to say, like, there's having the financial advantage and then there's fucking, there's just winning every trophy. Like, that's not normal. Like, it's almost like I'd like to see a simulation of, like, let's give another another club or even, like, another manager at the same club the exact same conditions, whether they're legal or not. Let's just, let's just see how they get on because... It's just, it isn't normal. And like the common denominator is Guardiola. But again, we've been going that for years. You know, people who say City have ruined English football or whatever. It's like, well, look, when when he's gone, we'll, we'll see. And maybe they carry on winning and maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's Guardiola. But then it's obviously, at the same time, it's, it can't just be that. Um, there was an article on The Athletic, and if people still subscribe, I know it's about United, but it's the kind of United article people will want to read because it's about how bad they are. And some I saw somebody quote to it, and it was like, you always think, like, how can you not be that, this bad? And he goes, this article actually explains it. And, like, for example, one of the bits I remember that I could quote now was when Ten Hag came in, you know, United... So so let's say it probably would have been about the same kind of time, maybe a year out. So obviously when City didn't get Kane, like, that September, it was like, right, Operation Haaland. And obviously that led to the Haaland coming in. So, like, but even normally, you know, it's around September kind of time, you're planning for the next summer. But like the September before Ten Hag came in, they didn't do anything. They didn't start the transfer plans until the May. So, you know, by May, you know, Gundogan's already signed for City. Do you know what I mean? Let alone yeah, like yeah. start planning. And it said like United's logic was, well, there's a new manager coming in, so the plans need to adapt. And it's like, well, that makes sense. But also have a fucking director of football, lads. That is literally the point. And so, you know, like they, it also said there's nobody at the club who... um is going to say, no, this is our valuation and we're sticking to it. And that, that could be good for City fans to hear, you know, like, actually, it's a good thing. And okay, maybe if City had assigned Declan Rice in it, it wasn't just money in the end, but blah, blah, blah. If City had assigned Declan Rice, they wouldn't have this with Roger. But it's like, you need to have those policies in place. Otherwise, you end up, like, in the example, it was like when Solskjaer was manager, they looked at Anthony Ajax and whoever was, like, working on transfers. They were like, yeah, this guy's worth 25 million. And then, like, I think when United first tried to buy him, they were like, okay, like 65 million we can go to. But then they lost the first two games of the season or two of the first three or whatever it was, Brighton and Brentford. Everyone was panicking and they went to 100 million euros. And it was like, because there's nobody there. And again, one of the big headlines from the article is they couldn't sign or they couldn't even try to sign Kane in the summer, even though Ten Hag wanted him. And Ten Hag basically decides all the transfers. Like even I've heard that they wanted Emi Martinez in the summer, United apparently, but he wanted um, Anana. So they went with Anana. Um, and again, to be fair, Lissandro Martinez is pretty good, but everyone, I think everyone at United wanted Paul Torres as well last summer, but he went for Martinez because he works with him. So he's got that much power and he wanted Kane, but they couldn't because they went for um, Casemiro, but because Casemiro was like such a like massive wages and like a big enough fee and a shorter contract, like FFP-wise, the calculations didn't work. So there was, there was just nothing they could have done to get Kane. And you just think, this is such a shambles, this is. And now I, I almost forgot what led me down this rabbit hole. But then you go back to City and like having loads of money or whatever it may be, having an advantage over whether it's fucking, whether it's over Liverpool in terms of money or whether it's over Southampton, Brentford, Villa, whatever. Like you can't guarantee what's happened. So you've got the Guardiola brilliance, but you've also got the club structure paying into it. And then that kind of delivers the players that are brought into the club and the way that they are kept 
brilliant because of Guardiola and also you know they've signed players who want to keep going year after year and don't get complacent and Guardiola challenges challenges them not to and in the end I mean it sounds easy just saying that go in the end you get this I'm not even sure you still I'm not even sure in all that equation you get five trophies there's still something else there's still something kind of I hesitate to use the word magical but you know what I mean there's still something yeah, else going yeah. on in there special yeah. to lead to five five trophies in a year like I know again it ends with it ends with the one that people care about least, probably on like a like a national scale in this country. But it's almost like you know, if Gabriel Jesus hadn't scored that goal for hundred points, you'd still be going ninety-eight points. Though that's mental. You'd have to point it out to people. Like it's almost like you need that shine to do it. And again, if somehow if the calendar worked this way, where the Champions League final was the last one, you've got Jesus Christ five. But you know, when when it's this one, it just needs explaining a bit more. But thing is, nobody who needs explaining is going to listen to this. So. Cheers, Merry Christmas. Coming up after a short ad break, we'll talk more about the legacy that Guardiola has with five trophies in a single calendar year at City, and we'll look at the Fluminense game. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Let Me Talk is sponsored by you, the listeners. The best way to support the podcast is by subscribing via Memberful. You can pay as little as £2 per month, which gives you early access to all our podcasts ad-free, and they're packed with even more content. That gives you even more minutes of us to fill up your week. Subscribing is really easy, and the longer episodes will integrate seamlessly with your podcast app of choice, be it Spotify or Apple. Head over to lmtpod.com for more information on signing up and links to all of our socials. It seems a bit trite after you've just uh, kind of uh, said all that to say to ask you what the title means for Guardiola and for City because it's it's perfectly obvious from from there the reason now when you look back on it why like I was seeing ahead of the Club World Cup I was seeing um, people suggest that it was a good opportunity to get some players who don't not don't normally play into the into the team and get you know get um, a good opportunity for someone like say um, like Oscar Bob for instance to get him uh, a, a start here and there and. You look at, at the way Guardiola has approached it; it's an absolute no-brainer. He picked this to, he, he's picked the teams he has done. Yeah, but even down to you know the other night, Kovacic and Nunes played in midfield, and then when the team news was out on Friday, I saw people saying, "Oh, you know, Nunes is unlucky, or he shouldn't have been dropped, or whatever." But, but I'm still thinking, well, this is going to be the fitness element again, isn't it? Mm. It's like if you if you're not playing somebody in midfield, it's kind of they're going to be more rusty when it comes to Everton. Because let's be honest, I mean, you could look at it from the point of view of Nunes could maybe get two games and cement himself with a place at Everton. But like, probably not going to happen. So in reality, he's played a game the other night. Bernardo's played tonight, Rico's played tonight. Everyone's kind of 
on an even keel slash as ready for Everton as as possible. And it kind of works that way. And there's just been enough rotation to keep the main guys happy. But yeah, beyond that, you know, thinking, oh yeah, it's Michael Ham- Michael. I, I, I literally know his name is not Michael. I just mispronounced it. Michael Hamilton, people like that. Like, again, like, we can't be this far into Guardiola's reign and be surprised when he picks a strong team for a game that we may think is easy. Especially when there's like a trophy right there. This isn't like, well, we know what he's like in like the third round of the League Cup or whatever. But this is the trophies right there. Like on Tuesday going into the game, it's like, well, if we win this, it's Friday. Like that's how it's going to be. And then that lineup tonight, like if, if if that was the exact same squad available, and it was a Champions League final, probably wouldn't be far off. I mean, would he play Rico in a Champions League final? Probably Maybe not. not yeah. But but that's probably the only one. Foden, Grealish, Alvarez, obviously with Haaland being injured. Um, De Bruyne being injured, Doku being injured, you know, the hands are tied, really. So he's basically gone as, as strong as he can do, really. Um, and again, because so this the whole thing about because whenever I've had to write about it this week, I've mentioned about just to try and give a bit of context about how this competition is viewed. Because obviously, with the Athletic, we've got a lot of American listeners, uh, but um, readers, obviously, listeners here. But just to kind of like hammer the point home, nobody's really bothered, and you've you've made that point brilliantly in terms of how Five Live cover it. But, like, I know that in Brazil, it's massive. Like, some people think this is bigger than the Copa Libertadores. So, obviously, it's like we were thinking, oh, never mind the Champions League. This is this is the one. Like, it's just mad. It's just two completely different um, points of view. Well, just on that, I spoke to uh, Fred Caldera um, this week for, for Blue Moon, who... Uh, no, he wasn't. Yeah, I know. He's been busy. He's been busy because uh, if listeners don't know who he is, uh, you should do. But if you don't, um, he is a Brazilian journalist. He covers City um, for TNT in Brazil. Um, yeah. And he's a Fluminense fan. So his world's collided this evening. Um and I was I was chatting to him, and he he was telling me that like ha, like if they win the game or if they had won tonight, they would be going back to Brazil, and there would be thousands of fans at the airport ready to greet them home mm. because like it's just such an achievement. And I mean, part of it is the difference in resources. We can't look beyond the fact that the European teams, whoever the European team is in this competition, yeah, exactly, is so much better than than most of the teams that are going to qualify from the other continents. Um, all of them. Uh, well, all of them. And he and that's basically a big part of it is that if they win it, it's it, it feels so unlikely that it's such a huge triumph. And I wonder if that plays yeah. into kind of why it's seen so as, as such a big competition. Kind of stick one into the Europeans. Yeah, of course. Um, and also the fact that. And there's that, like the underdogs and what it means, but there's probably also that, well, they're arrogant about this and they don't, you know, they don't take this seriously. But like, that's a, a tale as old as time. I remember before mm. the Champions League final, we had that media day. There was, you know, we had five minutes and John Stones was pouring his heart out about nearly leaving City and his emotions about it and all that kind of stuff. And then you had a couple of Italian reporters, obviously like no problem being there. And you got to get the stories that are relevant to your audience. But it was always along the lines of like, are you underestimating Inter Milan because everyone thinks it's going to be easy? And it's like Klopp was asked that the other day after the nil-nil against United. And the Sky reporter was like, oh, you know, there was a lot of talk about that 7-0. Did you maybe think it was going to be easy? He was like, and Klopp basically cut him off and was like, I think you overstate your own importance in terms of the media. It's like, we knew it was going to be a difficult game. And that is exactly something that Guardiola would say. Yeah. Like it does not matter one fucking bit whether we think it, whether we're fans, media, whatever, whether we think a game's going to be easy, they're not going to be thinking that. 
and you know like it was exactly the same you know when City beat United 3-0 and in fact a journalist said to Guardiola like it was easy or it looked easy and he was like it completely took exception he was like no way and it's exactly the same thing but there's always trying to sow that kind of oh they're underestimating us they're being arrogant and there was a, a, like a large amount of that um, because yeah the point I was going to say was Guardiola was asking you know, how much have you seen of um, Diniz's Fluminese side because obviously like tactically he's doing something completely different to most people but Guardiola was like oh, I've not seen any yet but you know we'll we'll see the game later on and we'll, we'll, we'll analyse them which is exactly the same thing he would say you know if you know the, I know it's not a great example because like young boys are obviously one of the smaller teams but it's a practical example because it actually happened like some I can't remember which player it was had scored a good goal the weekend before um, City's game against young boys and the press conference was early and the question was, oh, did you see so-and-so's goal at the weekend? And he was like, we haven't seen it yet, but, you know, later on we'll sit down, watch Young Boys and come up with a plan and, you know, we'll play tomorrow. And obviously that's leaving it late, but it's like you don't need to see any anyone else, that, anyone more that you need, that you literally need to see for your job. Like, why would Guardiola be kicking back watching Fluminese games? As much as, like, he's this lover of football, obviously, but he's got a fucking job to do. <laughs> like, why would he be watching Fluminese games? Possibly never ever playing them when he's got a, you know he's got every three days a different opponent he's got to come up with a plan and as we saw from that young boys example he's got like twelve hours to do it and obviously like in for that kind of game at home City don't have to change too much but you know what he's like I've spoken to Dominic Torrent before and he was like it prepares for every game like even if it's a friendly as if they were playing Real Madrid there was the example in Paul and Lou's book about the the Fulham game a few years ago when he didn't give the the team sheet in until a couple of minutes before he had to go in. Because he wanted to, he wanted to see if Mitrovic was playing or not. And this isn't even the spell where Mitrovic was really good at Fulham. It was the first one when he was kind of up and down. But he just wanted to know whether he needed a more physical defender or not. Because everything really, really matters to him. Again, speaking, you know, that Fulham game in April, May. You know, when he was seen on the Sky cameras like rubbing his head. And again, all the non-City fans were kind of like, oh, you know, he's making out this is difficult. It's like he, he thinks it's difficult. He's fucking stressed <laughs> about these games. Because you know? yeah. if, if they lose, they're not going to win the league. Like, like what world are you are you living in? So there was a lot of that from the Brazilian side. Oh, you know, Guardiola's arrogant. He's not even seen them. Like, why, why would he? And then it's like, oh, the English don't even care. So therefore, it's obviously City don't even care about this. It's not what they do. But then it's like, for all that stuff of, you know, there was that article in the Telegraph, which was like, it's like a soccer aid team or whatever. And it's like, you can't be writing off the winners of the Libertadores as like a crap team or not special. And again, like, the, the way that they play, you've got to show an appreciation for the way that they play and just for doing things differently. But at the same time, you have got to be realistic. And there was no way the Fluminese were ever winning that game. And like we said the other night, you could have a conversation with a Brazilian and not like um, write them off completely. You wouldn't you wouldn't be disrespectful to them. You'd be like, oh no, you, they're a really good team. I really like what you're doing. You could beat City. But they would also be like, oh, don't take the piss, mate. Yeah. Have you seen how much money they've got? Have you but seen the players they've got? Have you seen what is, it's a different planet. Yeah, it's a but different this, planet. This is the same thing, is that every time I get asked to do um opposition podcasts and opposition um coverage and yeah, I go on yeah. and they, they always say, Well, like how how do you beat City? And I, I say, Well, like you need all these factors to go in your favour. Yeah. Like, You're not gonna do yeah. it, but this is what you need to do. <laughs> yeah. But then like there's there's only so much you can there's only so kind of um an inverted commas humble you can be because again you look at again City's resources compared to I don't know, Wolves yeah, resources. Yeah. But then look earlier in the season, Wolves beat City. 
And it's like because of the combination of factors yeah, that fell into place, it happens. So you can't always say, you can't always write it off as, as this inevitable thing. But at the same time, when you say that, other people take it as, you're, as if you're being patronising. <laughs> it's like, like yeah. you can't, you, like you just can't win in these situations. Um, yeah, well, speaking of not winning, like there's no guarantee Fluminese will beat Wolves. And I'm not being funny, but it's just a different world. It's just a different level. Yeah. And it, that's, that's just how it is. And that's the problem with the Club World Cup. Because it's just kind of irrelevant now. European clubs are just so much better than the rest. What's the like? City just beat. You know, if you look at the Champions League final run. Going back to the, the reaction to City's draw the other day. Go oh, easy draws. All right, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, Inter. They won the Champions League the hard way. Tonight you could say, you know what? They had to beat the champions of Asia and the champions of South America. It's like, yeah, but genuinely though. So what? And yeah. that's not being disrespectful yeah. to them. It's just being realistic about the standard. Of football around the world at the minute, and like where where the gap's grown, it yeah. just it is what it is. But again, I saw before the game, or oh, you know, people were going too far. You know, this is going to be a really difficult game. This it's not going to be a difficult game. It'd be interesting. They could cause City some problems, but I'm telling you, they ain't going to be winning because it would just be mad. Like, and I know in football you never say never, but fuck, come on. Yeah, it's you chuck in um, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Inter Milan, and City into a four-team tournament, and you don't, you genuinely don't know who's going to win that at the start of it. Um, and you look at uh, you, you look at the the run that City had to the Club World Cup final, and it's you know, it's, it's a completely different planet. We're um, talking about like obviously the Club World Cup's changing now, but um, even like it's difficult because what can the organisers do really? Because you can only put together the, the best teams from around the world, but obviously the Europeans are just much better. But then it's like, it's in Saudi Arabia. That stadium looks mad, by the way. Like, looks like a brilliant stadium. Apparently the organisation was a bit of a shambles, according to people I spoke to who was there, but who's surprised by that? But then you look at it and you think, they were sweating. And I'm sat, sitting in Manchester where it's been like, literally blew a tree down on the road away from me yesterday. <laughs> like, I saw somebody on Instagram said they'd been blown over literally when they went for a run. Like it's mental, and then you see people Sorry sweating that. like that. The image of that's quite funny. I don't I know, know it's like Mr. Bean, and yeah. it was a very small woman. To be fair, um, she could have been but, really hurt, and I'm sorry. Like, no, 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 it didn't seem like it. But like, it, like you, you're playing. You, you need to. Well, you don't need to. You need to play it somewhere in fucking shit conditions, really. But it's like it was too hot clearly to play. So obviously, once you've got the level of City compared to the level of everyone else, and whether it's City this year or Real Madrid or Liverpool or whatever, it's going to be the same. And then, so they're already a couple of goals up, and then it just gets to like, well, let's just knock it around because it's too hot, and also the pitch was crap. Yeah. So it's like you're not doing yourselves any favors. Like the 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 the, the playing field was literally not level already, and then you kind of then, skew the conditions even more. And then the playing you know, field was, wasn't there was level. A half in there, yeah. Um, <laughs> And then, yeah, you skew, you skew the conditions even more. So when they do go ahead, like, oh, I mean, to be fair, look, you're going to transport City back to Goodison Park on Wednesday, so they weren't going to be going all out anyway. But, like, going to be even more cautious on that pitch in those conditions when you've got a comfortable lead. And, again, both both games did look like friendlies, and it's not being disrespectful. It's just true, isn't it? Like, anyone saw the game would have seen that. And you don't need to know that City are amazing to, to see why that is. And, again, like, City battered by Munich and and Real Madrid but against Bayern we know at the Etihad it wasn't really a 3-1 scoreline was it Bayern mm. were very good didn't really take their chances and then against against um, Real Madrid it was one-sided but it was literally the best performance that any, any footballers ever played in their life like it was it, it didn't come easily but then you go to this and you go well it did come easily didn't it really and like I mean maybe we'll talk about the game now but 
Yeah, even the first goal within 50 seconds came from that style. City were like, well, they're going to have loads of people around the ball down in this corner. We probably better match them up a bit. And then Marcelo goes, gets the ball back from the throw-in. It's kind of there's like a four against four, isn't there? Like, mark, like man marking situation down in their corner. And Marcelo's like, aha, this is what we want. You're all over here. I'm going to switch the play over there, and then we're away. He fucks it up, <laughs> gives it straight to Nathan Ake, and then City score. Yeah. It's a direct, and it's not saying his his Diniz's style is not is not worth doing because it is, and I'd love to see him do it at a team more likely to challenge City. I'd love to see him be Real Madrid manager just to see how he does it, just to see how that style works with top caliber players who aren't older than 35 for a start. But And then after the goal, it gave City a bit of a cushion because for it, we did see Fluminense well, cause City problems. Yeah, I was going to say this because I only I was only what, able 15 to... 15 minutes? Uh, yeah, I was only able to have half an eye on the game. So um, like the first, the goal came instantly and I saw that because I, I saw from, from kickoff. Um a great hit by Ake as well, by the way. Um, just yeah, out of out yeah, of nowhere, yeah. didn't expect that. Um, and then for the next kind of twenty odd minutes, I can't. I, I'm not sure what time the second goal came, but it must have been about twenty five minutes ish. Um, but for the for the next few minutes, I thought that I, I thought it looked like quite a fun and entertaining game because I never thought City looked that comfortable under the pressure at the back with uh, they were quite happy to have the ball but it didn't seem it Very. felt like you know you know in a cartoon where um like the trains it's a runaway train but the wheels are ready to come come off and like it's ready like the the doors are ready to fall off and like it's just going to like the engine's going to blow it felt like they were on the verge of that all the time and then they just kept getting away with it with a foul here or they it like, felt like the whole game was like that yeah and then because it was like if both teams keep sticking to what they're doing which i mean obviously look the managers would have kind of made tweaks and okay, there's, but that the approach would have been the same. So City couldn't play through that pressure, but they were incredibly brave in trying to. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen them have so many players inside their own box, have to play such kind of risky passes with even First less time, time to execute. Yeah, yeah. Then, I mean, obviously, when they play Liverpool, they kind of you know, drop the ball in here. And the reason Guardiola went mad at Edison for kicking long, well, forcing Stones to kick long, sorry, against Arsenal, was because he was supposed to play to Gundogan's feet, even though Gundogan was arriving towards his own box with his back to goal, just so he could play it. But even still, I've never seen them play that close to their own goal in such a small space with so many people. And they were trying. Again, it didn't really work, but they were trying. But that's what I mean about the game. I tweeted, like, the whole game felt unsustainable because it was, well, if City keep doing this, they're going to have mistakes. But also, whenever it was in the, the Fluminese box, they were like almost, they were on the verge of committing mistakes as well. And obviously, there was loads of space in the middle. And again, yeah, it was... This different game that we envisaged to you know the other night when Red Diamonds just kind of came and put everyone back. We've all seen City playing that, but you've never seen City playing a game like this because no team's ever played City like this before. And yeah, it did cause them headaches for a bit. But then again, even with the goal you mentioned at 27 minutes, I had to check just that Rodri pass to find Foden. It was like, well, we know Rodri can do that all the time, but never, never just mind like, oh, there was space because they'd overcommitted or blah. They're just not as good defensively, Fluminese. So in terms of pressing and stuff, they can cause teams problems. But actually, just normal defending, they're not that well organised. And Rodri's mm-hmm. gone, oh, there's a ball on here. Like you're not, he can't play there. Go, go back to that Wolves example. He can't play that ball so easily against Wolves, against Crystal Palace, because they're just set up for you not to do it. And look, Wolves and Crystal Palace can't pressure in your own box off Fluminese can. But there's that kind of basic defensive organisation. It just isn't there. You know, in all the kind of previews and analysis of how they play. You know, I read one in um, I read one in Argentina, and it was a bit more like, yeah, but defensively they're not really at it, and I think that that was what that was what we saw. And then as soon as it goes to two 0 
it was just just all around really they had, they had the water break and that kind of thing and it was you know it's, it just reminds you you know Grealish the other night we did the podcast saying Grealish looked frustrated and then his post that he put up after we recorded or while we were recording was like you know difficult game in the heat and you think oh, fuck. It's, it is it is tough you know they're, they're trying to they're trying to win they're trying to put the effort in that they need to and we saw from the first minute p- pressing them on that throw in but also it's like no more than absolutely necessary mm. so when you get the cushion it just be- it just becomes a training match again and you know, Fluminense kind of just dropped off then yeah and then it, it just played and then it just played out didn't it it was like bring some subs on wind it down add a couple of goals thanks for coming that's it for the free version of Let Me Talk. There is more for members, though. Go to lmtpod.com if you want to sign up for those longer ad-free episodes. Uh, what is in this week, Sam? Yeah, we talk about Rodri, obviously, and we answer some questions. There was even a voice note to listen to. That's all for members. Those ad-free episodes are longer and they're out earlier. You can find out more on lmtpod.com. If you want to send us an email, it's hello at lmtpod.com. We're also on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok, so just search for lmtpod there. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you next time. Wanna hear you go?